looked at how God has gifted all of his people. So we all have spiritual gifts to be used. So we sang, sang it in Martin Luther's famous hymn there, uh, the spirit and the gifts are ours, okay? And uh, then we saw how, in chapter 13, how the fruit is more important than the gifts, but both are necessary for God's plan, okay? So we kind of saw it from that light. And today we're looking specifically at chapter 14, verse 1 Corinthians chapter 14, Let me see if the clicker is working now. Nope. There we go. The gift of tongues. And and so chapter 14 actually talks about two different gifts. It it focuses on tongues and prophecy. Rather than going through it verse by verse, which is what I normally do, okay, I want us to look as we go through it first today at the gift of tongues then next week at the gift of prophecy, okay? So that's kind of our uh, how we're going to be looking at this. And we're going to talk about the gift of tongues, uh, the, um, the good, the bad, and the ugly, okay? So I say it, it's, uh, it is an absolutely wonderful gift that has been abused but shouldn't be discarded, okay? So that's, uh, that's what we want to walk through in 1 Corinthians 14, because that seems to be the thrust of this book. I remember one time I was at a conference, this was a number of years ago, we were asked, Elizabeth and I were asked to be uh, some prayer counselors, because this was an evangelistic conference as well, and people were going to come up front and receive prayer for, uh, I think, if I'm remembering right, was it like for for salvation, but also for deliverance or something like that. I'm, I'm not, I can't, my memory's not the best. But I do remember that while the guy who was leading it uh, was, he was really on fire, just really good. Just, I mean, stirring the people, sharing the gospel. And then this lady, I don't know, maybe about three rows down and just kind of to the right there, uh, just started bursting out in tongues, okay? And, and it, was, it was absolutely, I don't know what to say, how to say it. It completely threw everybody off. We couldn't hear the guy talk anymore. It was maybe perhaps one of the things that Paul's talking about here in, in that abuse. Now, tragically, with episodes like that, um, Others have said, okay, that, that gift, that's not good. We want to get rid of it. Let's just not have it, okay? And that doesn't seem to be Paul's perspective either. Um, in, in fact, I've, I have heard of missionaries who have all of a sudden received this gift, the gift of tongues where you receive the ability to speak in another language without having learned it, okay? And, and use it on the mission field. I mean, that sounds cool. I think, I tell you what, that would be awesome, wouldn't it? You know, okay. So, and, and that is what happened in Acts chapter 2. They received the gift of tongues. They were speaking in languages that the other people could, learned and knew, and that was clearly a supernatural evidence to them and so forth, and they could understand it. And, and that. So that was, you know, so, so as we walk through chapter 14, don't see it. In fact, I'm going to start out here. Tongues are a blessing, okay? So we want to start out, we want to look at all through this passage if, uh, and see how it is a blessing. What I want to do is I'm going to read some verses, and then I want you to tell me what it's saying specifically as to how it is a blessing, okay? Uh, um, without going into all the details of the passage, as I said, sometimes he'll mention prophecy and so forth. So we, we're not learn, we're not looking at prophecy right now. So ju- I just want you to look at it. What are these things saying about the gift of tongues? Okay. So um, first of all, let's read. I'll read them, and then 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 we can just ask. Um, I'm going to read verse two, and then I'm going to read verses fourteen through seventeen. Okay. Verse 2, for the person who speaks in another tongue is not speaking to people, 
but to God. Since no one understands him, he speaks mysteries in the Spirit. Okay, now look at verse 14 through 17. For if I pray in another tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What then? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing praise with the Spirit, and I will also sing praise with my understanding. Otherwise, if you praise with the Spirit, how will the outsider say amen at your giving of thanks, since he does not know what you are saying? Uh, For you may very well be giving thanks, but the other person is not being built up. Okay, so now just... Not not anything negative about it at all. We're going to look at the the we're going to look at how tongues can be abused later. But right now, what is it saying happens with the gift of tongues? Okay, they're talking to God. See, in fact, if you notice, they're speaking. That's verse two for the person who speaks. By the way, seeing it in context, let me. this even comes more thoroughly. Let me read verses 1 through 3, okay? Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, and especially that you may prophesy. For the person who speaks in another tongue is not speaking to people, but to God. So he's speaking to God, okay? Since no one understands him, he speaks mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the person who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouragement, and consolation. So there's two things where tongues and prophecy are different. One is that tongues is in another language, but the second is that tongues are speaking to God. Prophecy is God speaking to humans. Tongues are humans Speaking to God. Not just speaking, but we see in verses 14 through 17, praying, praising, giving thanks, right? So all four, speaking, praying, singing, giving thanks, but all of those are directed to God. Now, if there's an interpretation, it should be directed to God. Most of the interpretations I've ever heard of a tongue It was a prophecy. It was God speaking to humans. That's not what these passages are saying. They're saying it's to God. Yes. Okay, what what is the purpose? Why do that since we can do that in our own language? That's what you're asking, right? Two things I'll say. We're going to get to that in just a moment. One of the possible answers. But secondly, because God wants it. He put it there. That's good enough for me. If he wants me uh, to speak in another language to him, hey, who am I to say, I can just talk to you in my own language? (laughs) Okay, so, so God put it in there. That's good enough for me. But we're going to see another reason as well come up in the, uh, uh, in, well, in fact, I'll, I'll answer it, and then we'll go ahead and read Romans 8. Um, sometimes we don't know how to pray. Okay, Sometimes we're in this situation where we're just needing to seek God, but we just don't have the words, okay? And the Holy Spirit comes along and he puts the words in. Look at Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27. Uh, it says, eight twenty-six and 27, in the same way the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses. Because we do not know what to pray for as we should. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with unspoken groanings. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And so, now that word unspoken groanings, alaletos is the, alaletos is the, uh, Greek word there, and it can mean 
unspoken or inexpressible, okay? So some think that this means that the Holy Spirit just prays and nobody hears anything, but it uses this word groanings. So that doesn't sound like it's just nothing, okay? It seems, and, and I would say that this is more than just tongues, but it's not less than, okay? That God, the Holy Spirit can just kind of take over and we can even pray just in our own language and we're just praying to God. But other times, those who have this gift can really seek the Lord they begin to pray in that other language that God has given them, and it's in accordance to God's will, you definitely feel satisfied and spiritual things take place. Anybody had that happen to them? Okay. I mean, you talk to these people. It is a blessing, isn't it? Okay. So, so there's a couple reasons why, but here we see that he does this, okay? Now, he does say it's better if you get the understanding as well, right? So pray for the interpretation, and that's a good thing. But the gift of tongues is a blessing in this regard. Um, uh, so, so we're speaking, praying. But now, now I want you to look at verse 5. Yes, No. Whether he does or not, I'm, you know, uh, I don't even worry about the devil. Who cares about him? You know, I got God on my side. But yeah, I hear you. I hear you. So I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't say. No, there's no passage that says that. Okay. Oh, I want a good, good question. Though. I want to look now at verse 5 and verse 18. And with these verses, we're going to look at Paul's view, what Paul thinks. And right now, we're looking at tongues as a blessing. We're going to see how they can be potentially abused later, but right now, how they're a blessing. Let me read verse 5 and then verse 18. I wish all of you spoke in other tongues, but even more that you prophesied. The person who prophesies is greater than the person who speaks in tongues, unless he interprets so that the church may be built up. But specifically that first part, I wish all of you spoke in other tongues. Then verse 18, I thank God that I speak in other tongues more than all of you. Okay, what what is Paul's view of tongues here? Okay, he's positive on it, right? He's thinking it's pretty good. (laughs) That's, uh, you know... uh, he actually now just because he says he wishes everyone could have this gift doesn't necessarily mean everyone can have this gift because he also says I wish you could prophesy. Okay, so this is not to be understood as that means okay everybody can have it. Uh, we'll talk about that later, but it does seem to be saying he wishes everybody could have it because he's really been blessed by it. Like the, those of you who raised your hand, right? Don't you kind of wish everybody else had it? I mean, because it really is nice, right? Okay, so that's, that's the point that he's making here. And then, uh, then he he's thanks God that he speaks in other tongues more than anybody else. So apparently Paul used that gift a lot. For those of you who have the gift of tongues, do, do you sometimes wax and wane in it? Sometimes use it more than other times? Okay, yeah, okay, Yo, sure. You know? so, so, uh, but Paul apparently... I mean, and he didn't have a lot of time on his hand. This guy was out doing the stuff all the time, right? But he probably just really, perhaps this, I really need to pray in the will of God, and I don't know how to pray. And so many times he had that situation, so he went ahead and used that spiritual gift, okay? So another positive point in this section, okay? Now I want to look at verse Four, okay? So, oh, I gave you, I forgot to give you the second point here. Paul thought highly of this gift, okay? So we have, we're speaking, praying, singing, and giving thanks to God. Paul thought highly of this gift. Now, let's look at verse four. The person who speaks in another language builds himself up, but the one who prophesies builds up the church, okay? Now, he is going to say, from a negative standpoint, it's better to build up the church than yourself, right? Okay. But 
what's he saying here from a positive perspective? It does build yourself up, okay? So, so when you have this gift, you're using it, it does build you up. It edifies you. That build up means edify it. It strengthens you. Just feel, yeah, thank you, God, okay, after you've used that gift. And that's what he's saying there. So it personally edifies the believer. Now, once again, we should be others-focused. So the, the better gifts are the ones that edify others, but this does edify the believer, and that's not a bad thing, as he's saying. Okay, one last one here for the positive elements here. Um, I want to read verse 5 and then verses 12 and 13, okay? Verse 5, I wish... All of you spoke in other tongues. I already read that part. But even more that you prophesied. The person who prophesies is greater than the person who speaks in tongues unless he interprets so that the church may be built up. Okay, now look at verse 12 and 13. So also you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, seek to excel in building up the church. Therefore, the person who speaks in another tongue should pray that he can interpret. Okay, So what's this saying positively about tongues? Another aspect of it. It can be used to build up the church if there's an interpretation, right? Okay, so there we go. It edifies the church when properly interpreted. Now, I say properly interpreted. Because as I said before, so many of the interpretations are just prophecies, and maybe they were a prophecy from the Lord, and the person just didn't really connect with the person that was actually speaking in tongues, or, or maybe it was just someone you know, misinterpreting. But it's only going to be a blessing if it's properly interpreted, which then that it's always going to be something directed towards God. Yes? can be, not necessarily is, can be, because there's also, when we read the list of gifts, there's the gift of tongues, and then there's the gift of interpreting tongues. So, and the one person could have them both. In fact, he encourages you, if you got the gift, pray that you can interpret. Yes. And it was a prayer, wasn't it? And a good prayer to pray. Okay? Yeah. Actually, And, and there's, so there's both and, okay? There's private, in fact, you edify yourself privately. When I get to the abuses, we'll see how when it's public and not done properly, that's when the abuses come, okay? So there's, there, both, there is both public and private use of this gift, okay? I have the gift of sound, and it edifies the church. There we go. Thank you. Thank you, gifted one. Okay, <laughs> so, so tongues are a blessing. They can be a blessing to you personally in your personal private prayer time to the Lord. 
especially helping you in those times when you don't know how to pray. There is an energizing and just an amazing connection because the Holy Spirit is leading the prayer. Uh, And there's also a blessing to other believers in in a group setting when there's interpretation, okay? <clears throat> now, we want... Yes? You are a blessing to the church because you are built up. And when you are built up, you can be that blessing. Okay. It and gives you strength to be a blessing. Sure. When we are blessed, we can then, and, and there is this concept that we need to be filled so that we can pour out. So there's that too. So good point. Okay. Uh, so, and once again, so the idea that it edifies the believer is not a negative thing. It's a good thing. It's better to edify others, but it is good to be edified. Okay. <clears throat> okay. Now we want to move to the next section where tongues can be abused. And that is the reason why he's writing this section. If you remember, all throughout the book of Corinthians, Paul has been addressing areas of concern where he saw the Corinthians who had all the gifts, but they were making serious errors. They were seriously wrong in when they were... um, uh, there was allowing sin in the church. They were, uh, that's one thing, chapter 5 that he addresses. They were uh, taking each other to court because they couldn't, you know, deal with helping each other. They were, so they were, he's addressing several issues where they were messing up, and this is one of them, and that's the reason why he's writing this, but I do think he did it in a very balanced way, okay? So he's, he's making sure, because... What we have here is two opposite kind of groups. Some really gung-ho for tongues, and who cares if they're abused? We're going full speed ahead. Others, they see some of the abuses. They say, I don't want to have anything to do with it. It must not be for today. That's got to be the devil, okay? And Paul takes a balanced position. So he addresses the abuses, but he wants to make sure that he's not you know, renouncing the gift, which is from God, okay? So, so second, we look at the abuses. So um, now I want to read verses 6 through 12, and you tell me what these are saying about the abuses, okay? So now, brothers and sisters, if I come to you speaking in other tongues, how will I benefit you unless I speak to you with a revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? Even lifeless instruments that produce sounds, whether flute or harp, if they don't make a distinction in the notes, how will what is played on the flute or harp be recognized? In fact, if the bugle makes an unclear sound, who will prepare for battle? In the same way, unless you use your tongue for intelligible speech, how will what is spoken be known? For you will be speaking into the air, There are doubtless many different kinds of languages in the world. None is without meaning. Therefore, if I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker will be a foreigner to me. So also you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, seek to excel in building up the church. Okay. So what is he saying there? far as tongues and kind of a, a warning on how they should be used. So they, they, they're not going to benefit unless they're understood and therefore with an interpretation is what that's saying. Okay, So they're not going to benefit unless there's an interpretation. Um, so that's what I have here. They don't edify the church if there's no interpretation. Now, by the way, we do see an, uh, uh, an evidence here that this, these tongues that he's speaking about, they're the same thing that happened in Acts chapter 2. 
In Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit was poured out and they all spoke in different languages and the different people understood the languages, right? Well, here he specifically uses this illustration. There, Verse 10, there are doubtless many different kinds of languages in the world and none without meaning. In other words, because he's using this to refer to tongues, tongues are a language. They're not just babbling, okay? So... If a tongue is a true tongue, it's going, it's, it is a language, and it's going to have... All languages have syntax. They have structure. There's, you know, if you say the same phrase over and over and over, it's going to be... The interpretation is going to be the same phrase over and over and over. Like, sanctify me, sanctify me is kind of what Elizabeth's phrase was, right? But if you have a phrase, yabba-dabba-dabba-dabba-dabba, and then someone interprets it, Thus saith the Lord, I am going to come to my people and do whatever. That's, that does not compute to this, okay? So it is a misunderstanding. There's something going on because this is truly a language. Now, not necessarily a language that someone knows. Uh, we saw in 1 Corinthians 13, he even spoke of tongues of angels. So this could be a language that uh, maybe no one even speaks on the earth, but it is a language. Probably not Klingon, but, but a language, yes. Yes, it could be Arabic. It could be any language or even a language that no one speaks, an angelic language, whatever that means, okay? But it could be a language, uh, but it is always a language. That's the point, okay? And, uh, and so we see, and it's going to, uh, they don't, tongues don't edify the church if there is no interpretation, okay? Now, now I want to, Read verses 20 through 25, probably the most difficult point part of this whole section. So I'm going to go ahead and give you the answer rather than ask what you think it's saying, you know, and then we're going to look at it. Tongues without interpretation are a sign of condemnation to the unbeliever. Look at verses 20 through 25, okay? He says, brothers and sisters, don't be childish in your thinking, but be infants in regard to evil and adult in your thinking. It is written in the law, I will speak to this people by people of other tongues and by the lips of foreigners, and even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Speaking in other tongues, then, is intended as a sign, not for believers, but for unbelievers, while prophecy is not for unbelievers, but for believers. If, therefore, the whole church assembles together and all are speaking in other tongues, and people who are outsiders or unbelievers come in, will they not say that you are out of your minds? But if all are prophesying and some unbeliever or outsider comes in, he is convicted by all and is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart will be revealed, and as a result, he will fall face down and worship God, proclaiming God is really among you. Now, when you read this whole section, it almost sounds like Paul is contradicting himself. Doesn't it? Okay. Unless we understand it the way he meant it, it sounds like he's contradicting himself. But he's not, okay? He's not because he doesn't contradict himself, does he? Especially under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Right. So here's how to understand this, okay? He speaks, first he says, tongues are a sign to unbelievers. Prophecy is a sign to believers. But then he says, if you speak in tongues without an interpretation, the unbelievers will think you're crazy, okay? How was that a sign then? The verse he quotes at the beginning in verse 21, I will speak to this people by people of other tongues and by lips of foreigners, and even then they will not listen to me. He is quoting Isaiah 28, verses 11 through 12. And Isaiah 28 is a condemnation on his people. He's saying, you're going to get punished. You're going to get exiled. You're going to have to go to Babylon, and you're going to be listening to other people who are speaking in another language that you don't even know, and you're still not going to listen to me. And so if we speak in tongues all at once without interpretation, and unbelievers, or even it doesn't just say unbelievers, it says 
um, what was the verse there? Uh, outsiders or unbelievers. So someone might even from the church but doesn't understand what's going on in your church, okay? Someone comes in, they hear this, it's a sign against them. Because they hear it, they say, you guys are crazy. They don't receive what God is saying, and they leave cursed rather than blessed, okay? So we need to take this very seriously. If we speak in tongues without interpretation in the group setting, people will think we're crazy, we're out of our minds, and that will hinder them in their walk with the Lord. Yes. How do you know what? That people are really speaking in tongues. I mean, this is the thing. How do you know I, if people are really speaking in right, tongues? Right, I've been in churches where... Um, you got five, six different people that are speaking in tongues. Eight different people are speaking. In, they're, they're all babbling at the same time. Or you'll have one pop up here, one pop up there. And it's um, everybody is, oh, that's so wonderful. That's so wonderful. Well, how do you know they're not faking it? Well, and then that's not really edifying because now you're looking at them and you're thinking, you know what? Uh yeah, you might have just got excited or overzealous and you just started throwing out some jibber-jabber. I mean, th- that's been my experience. Okay, and as, you're fo- as we're following the scripture, I've already answered your question, okay? How do you know? We don't need to know. They're not supposed to do it. But they do, is what I'm saying. And, and well, a, if you're sitting there, they do do it. Okay, and... They that but but what we're doing right now is we're learning the proper way. We don't we're not here to bash other churches. Okay? Not my job. Okay? We're not here to bash other churches. No, no, no. In our church, have you heard a bunch of people stand up and pray in tongues? Okay, then thank you. Okay. We're learning about tongues because we don't want to get rid of it, because that is very dangerous, and we don't want to use it improperly. And improperly is speaking altogether without interpretation. So we don't, that's what I'm saying. This is an abuse. We don't want the abuse, right? Right? Okay. So that's the point of this, okay? We've seen that they are good. If we say they're not, then there's something wrong in us. We, we, we're disagreeing with Paul. We don't want to say that. But when we see abuse, we can say that's bad. And it's very bad because it's turning people off. It's, it's actually being a sign of condemnation on the unbeliever. And I don't want to be a sign of condemnation on the unbeliever, right? So we don't want to abuse tongues. So we're seeing this. We're learning from it. We're seeing that, oh, okay, we're not all supposed to speak in tongues at once. We're not all supposed to speak without an... No one's supposed to speak without an interpretation. But when done properly, then there's blessing. When not done properly, then there's, then there's this, this negative result that we don't want to have. Uh, we don't want to abuse it. Now, with the, with the prophecy, prophecy is mainly for believers. He said that at verse 1. We'll see prophecy more. But it can benefit the unbeliever, can't it? And if an unbeliever comes in and he hears the words and he understands them, and all of a sudden, I don't know, I can't tell you how many times I have had people come in and tell me, Larry, I felt like you were speaking right to me. And, you know, that's kind of a blessing. Because I wasn't. I, I, I never, listen, I never plan my messages to speak to any particular people. I hear, I, I sense what my congregation is going through. I speak from the word of God to my congregation, but I never plan, okay, so-and-so is going to be here. I'm going to make sure I say this, okay? I don't do that. But, but God does do that sometimes, okay? And that's the point, okay? So, 
So do you see how this is actually, though it sounds like a contradiction, it's not a contradiction, but it is a warning. We don't want to be that condemnation on those who come in and don't understand or are unbelievers. Um, and that's, that's how it was used back in, in Isaiah in that negative sense. And so therefore he's saying, don't do it that way, okay? So, um, so they don't edify the church if there is no interpretation. Tongues without interpretation are a sign of condemnation to the other believers. And, and the third thing I want to say, because sometimes people have a, a way of getting around this, okay? This is how typically the churches that do practice these things that you've been mentioning, where everybody starts speaking in tongues at once, they will say there are two kinds of tongues. And I'm here to tell you there are not two kinds of tongues. The Bible never says that anywhere. In fact, this passage teaches the exact opposite. This passage, all the way through chapter 14, deals with tongues. It never says anything about two different kinds of tongues. It just says tongues. Tongues can be very edifying personally. That kind of sounds like the prayer language. So typically, when people say there's two kinds of tongues, they say there's a prayer language that everybody can have, and there's the gift of tongues that only some can have, and that's what's used with interpretation. So if I'm praying in my prayer language, that's okay out loud with everybody around. But if I'm praying with the gift of tongues and there's no interpretation, that's not okay, okay? So, so what, but that's not how he's using this because that's getting around the thing, isn't it? <laughs> that's a, a good way of excusing, you know, to be able to do this when you say no. By the way, he never says, if you look back at chapter 12, verse 30, do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in other tongues? Do all interpret? And the answer is no. So do all, have, do all speak in other tongues? He doesn't say do all have the gift of tongues. He just says do all speak in tongues. He's dealing with this issue of tongues that can personally edify in my own private prayer time or edify the body with an interpretation, but it's all the same gift, okay, and should be done properly. So, third point, tongues must be regulated in the church uh, for the maximum potential. Not everyone has the gift. As we saw in chapter 12, verse 30, that, in my opinion, is absolutely critical that we see not everyone has the gift of tongues and aren't supposed to. Now, if we had time, we would go through all these verses I've done. I've written all these verses in the book of Acts, if you notice them, okay? All these verses are most of the places where it says people get saved in the book of Acts. So it's the early church when most people get saved. In these instances, in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 13, Acts chapter 10, verses 44 through 48, and Acts chapter 19, verse 5 through 7, tongues specifically are mentioned. And in every one of those instances, everybody spoke in tongues in those three groups, okay? So we have that the day of Pentecost, right at the very beginning, foundation of the church. Then we have when the Gentiles get saved, chapter 10, and then when uh, the... Uh, followers of John the Baptist get saved, John chapter 19, 5 through 7, we see that everyone speaks in tongues in those groups. The other instances, none of them mention tongues. Okay, uh, That doesn't mean that maybe someone did, did speak in tongues. It doesn't say it, that, that at all. Chapter 8, actually, um, uh, the Simon sorcerer, he saw something because he actually wanted to buy the gift of the Holy Spirit because he saw this thing, and Peter rebuked him, obviously. <laughs> you know, you don't buy the gift of the Holy Spirit. But obviously he saw something. You know, when we get saved, we're supposed to get, as we saw in the first message, radically, dramatically, you know, I hope that you do experience throughout your Christian life the Holy Spirit in your life where he comes upon you and, and it's even evident to other people. And that could be tongues too, okay? So keeping that in mind, but not everybody has this gift. Now this is helpful because 
sometimes when people embrace the idea that everybody can have this gift and someone sincerely comes and seeks the Lord and wants this to happen to them and doesn't happen, they usually, it's like a guilt trip put on them. Oh, you didn't receive it. You must have unbelief in your heart. And maybe they didn't. Maybe they're just not supposed to have that gift. And that's okay. It does seem like a lot of people did get the gift, though. Okay? So when we see those three instances, it seems like a lot of people got the gift. It's the kind of gift for people who have a lot of need, which kind of almost sounds like a lot of us. Okay, <laughs> right? So, so there is that concept here, but we just don't want to go beyond what the Scriptures teach in order to have our nice little system. Uh, systems of theology typically get messed with because none of us are perfect at putting together a system. <laughs> All right? And that includes Pentecostalism or any other system. All right. So we so we see here not everyone has the gift. There must be an interpreter. Verses 26 through 28. Let me read that. What then brothers and sisters, whenever you come together, each one has a hymn, a teaching, a revelation, another tongue or an interpretation. Everything is to be done for building up. If anyone speaks in another tongue, there are to be only two or three or at the most three, each in turn, and let someone interpret. But if there is no interpreter, that person is to keep silent in the church and speak to himself and to God. So there must be an interpreter. That doesn't mean that, let's say, you're in a worship service, and you're just overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit, and you just feel like using your gift of tongues, okay? You can quietly, silently, under your breath, Pray to, pray to God in tongues. And it doesn't bother anybody else because they don't hear it or whatever. But if you blurt out that tongue without an interpretation, that does disrupt. And it does bring the disorder that he's trying to regulate here. Okay, So there must be an interpreter. But finally, they should not be forbidden. This is how he concludes the whole chapter, kind of summing up everything he said. Look at verse 39 and 40. So then, my brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in other tongues, but everything is to be done decently and in order. So there should be decency and order. That's the focus. By the way, that phrase, I love this. Everything should be done decently and in order, okay? Typically, that you're two groups. You have the Pentecostal over here and the non-charismatic over here, right? Okay, Pentecostal, this is how they read this verse. Do everything in decency and in order. And over here, the non-charismatics do everything in decency and in order. Okay, you see the emphasis? Okay, now I will have to say the verse in the context is closer to the, that, this version, okay? He is not saying every time everyone has to do everything. That is not what he is saying. He is saying anytime you do anything, it needs to be indecency. When you say that indecency too fast, it's, it's like the opposite of what you mean. <laughs> in decency and in order, okay? And they, therefore you need to clarify and articulate so that you don't confuse. <laughs> okay, so you see this here. So what we see is that in this last point, they should not be forbidden. Um, tongues uh, are a blessing, but they obviously were being abused in the Corinthian church. It seems to me that much of the abuse we see in the Corinthian church is still going on in the Pentecostal churches, and we don't want that, but we don't want to fall into the error of forbidding either. So when done in the proper context, the gift of tongues can be a tremendous blessing. Which brings me to my last conclusion, okay? How can this gift be encouraged at harvest, okay? Um, the benefit of encouraging tongues 
with, uh, let's see, I already read that. Okay, how can this gift be encouraged? First of all, proper teaching, which is what I've been trying to do tonight, you know, hopefully the best I can, okay? There's a balance. There's always a balance. It seems, seems like Christians love to get zealous about certain parts of the Bible, okay? And you have, I, I have to confess, I'm an evangelist. I really get, yeah, <laughs> I, I just, I, I don't think I ever overemphasize it, but I might. <laughs> okay, you know, see, see, okay, you see my point? Okay, some people really get in, they get charged by certain theological beliefs or whatever, and so you have your Calvinists that are just like, if, if you're not a Calvinist, then you gotta become a Calvinist, and you just, you know, they just pounce on you or whatever, and, there, and we all have these different things, and tongues can be one of those things, okay? So, so we want proper teaching for a balance, and then proper encouragement. Uh, it is a wonderful gift. By the way, it's not where you are taken over by the Holy Spirit. This is probably where some people really misunderstand. They think, you know, that all of a sudden something's going to happen, you go, and then you start, you know, uncontrollably, something starts coming out of your mouth, okay? That is not true of any of the gifts of the Spirit. You can stop and start the gift of tongues, just like you can stop and start the gift of prophecy. We're going to see this uh, next week. If one person is prophesying and someone else has a word, this one stops, this one starts. Oh, okay, you got a word, you stop. You know, well, what about the rest of my prophecy? You know, well, you stop. You can start and stop the gifts, okay? It's not this uncontrolled phenomena, all right? You simply open your mouth, you start speaking, and other words that you don't know come out of your mouth, okay? It's not that complicated, right? So, so encouragement um, is, is, a, is a good thing there. Uh, it, uh, let's see, yeah, it's a, you just begin speaking syllables, and then you can even test it, you know, you know, was that edifying or not, you know? You know what, I think I was just kind of faking it. Could that happen? And that's not so bad. You realize it and you go, okay, you know. But it could be you start it and it's like, wow, how refreshing that was. Thank you, God, okay? So there's, there's that. We want to encourage it. Um, I really do believe that the, the Pentecostal church, by emphasizing some of these gifts, has done a benefit to the church overall. It has been a blessing. Now, they have abused it, perhaps, but it's, but it's been a benefit because we have, you know, these gifts being encouraged. Yes? Wow. Okay. Isn't that amazing? Okay, maybe the Lord will do that sometime. Good, very good. Okay, and I, w- I want to say this. I believe, you know, in our context here at Harvest, the life group setting works the best. Um, both prophecies and any other gifts, by the way, are vetted due to time and the chance of immaturity in the body of Christ, okay? So, uh, you know, some churches that are like maybe really small, they don't have to go through that, but any, even the most Pentecostal church, they typically have a vetting system, especially for prophecy. If you're, you know, they just don't want 20 people standing up and then, you know, whatever. So, so we, they go through the pastor or the elders or whatever, you know, there's, you know, and different churches have different ways of doing this. And, and, and so, uh, um, and so there needs to be some kind of process. What's going to work best in this? A smaller group, it works better. You know, you, you know, people can try it out, and you're not going to get like slammed because it really wasn't from the Lord or whatever. You know, and uh, I mean, I remember being in a church where a guy spoke in tongues, and the pastor just talked to him. The pastor believed in the gift of tongues. 
but he sensed it wasn't from the Lord, and he just spoke it right then and there. I mean, the poor guy, I felt bad for him too, you know? <laughs> you know? But, so, you know, but in a smaller group, there's a much more, you know, uh, hopefully there's an atmosphere where the gifts are flowing, and it seems to me that in the life group setting uh, or smaller groups, this group here would be, would be fine. Yes? I was just thinking that um, as we've learned about in Acts, um, as the church met in large group and then met from house to house, mm-hmm. they probably mm-hmm. did the same. Yeah. That because it's just illogical that you would have a whole big group of people because you couldn't effectively. When they had minister. hundreds of people meeting at, the, uh, at Solomon's Colonnade, yeah, it, it probably wasn't a free-for-all. Right, and yeah. I was thinking that as believers, we need to kind of think that way. We need to think unselfishly about what we're trying to accomplish. And in, like, for example, in life group, it would be really encouraging to use those gifts to encourage one another. But in, in here, it'd be even just in this large of a group, it's hard to hear each other even, so we can't really, unless we have a microphone. So, But, yeah. but we do have a person with the gift of sound. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, now, so what I want to ask, though, uh, so any, any questions, and then I, then I want to, yes? I have a question about So, you mentioned three places in the book of Acts where everybody prayed in tongues simultaneously because they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Were those things interpreted then? Was uh, there... For certain, the first one was because it was interpreted For by the certain, people the listening. First one, the other two, it doesn't say. It doesn't say. Yeah. So, do we assume that those that those gifting that gifting of tongues then needed to be interpre- interpreted in order to be not valid, but in order to it's a good to be question. Proper use? And it and it's possible that what we're seeing here is that as the early church is moving along. They're recognizing some order that needs to take place, and then the Holy Spirit leads them in that order. Another example of this is when they were trying to take care of the poor. Okay, as they're trying to take care of the poor, some were getting neglected, and some people complained. And so in Acts chapter 6, they said, you know what? Let's talk to God about this. <laughs> By the way, a really good first start, okay? Talk to God, and God said, appoint deacons. And all of a sudden, you had deacons who could take care of this, so there was some order brought about. They weren't doing, they didn't have deacons before Acts chapter 6, but when a situation came. So it's possible that after this, Paul recognizes free-for-alls probably aren't the best for edifying, so let's bring some order. Okay, yeah, good question. Yeah. When people are speaking these in more of a public or group setting, just what are what examples are you know is it is it in the context of what is being addressed at that time, or can it be anything? I mean, I is it what I'm just time at a loss because I don't. It? I have no idea right. what. And, in, and from, a, from a New Testament perspective, we don't know. It doesn't say. The only order we see here, it says, when you're gathering, seems like this is speaking of a more smaller group. One has a revelation, one has a tongue, one has a, you know, there's kind of some, some open dialogue going on, you know, the, you know, so there seems to be something going on there where, where you know, where then someone feels, you know, like it's the proper time. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Uh, my general experience with this, like God first gave me the gift to interpret tongues. My general experience was whenever somebody brought a tongue, let's say if it was after a teaching many, or during a worship time, many times those words would go along with the God, what God was saying clearly through Bible verses or through the teaching. It was just another way of God confirming what he had already been saying. Sure. Yeah. That sounds good. That's my experience. Yeah. So, you know, don't want to say this is when you can do this and this is, you know, and I, it doesn't seem 
Like, you know, the New Testament doesn't give a lot of instruction on that. The, the church of Corinth is the only church that we know of, at least, that was even experiencing this gift. Now, it doesn't mean the others weren't. It's just not addressed. You know, so we don't have any, you know. The what? Yeah, yeah. So I, I was thinking that when, when we pray, sometimes I'm just talking to God, but other people are like, whoa. Like, that's what I think of when you think, when you're speaking in tongues and, and, in, and uh, somebody interprets it, they're speaking, they're hearing the message that that person was speaking to God, mm-hmm. and we can, be, we can be grown in worship through that. Yeah, sure. So in a, in a large group setting like this, since obviously you're in church and you have the gift of tongues, since you aren't going to specifically know if there is someone else there to interpret that, is it better if you obviously don't say anything unless you yourself have then the interpretation of it? Great question. In a large group setting, you want to go through the elders of the church. Okay. You know? So that's just, just to, uh, for your safety, for theirs, that's kind of what I... And that's not a rule in the Bible, okay? That's, that's kind of what I'm sensing as the leader for, for, uh, for our church in, in it properly doing this, everything is to be done decently in order. But in a smaller setting, there's more freedom, okay? Yeah. Right, and, and also, if you sense you're supposed to, and you you also will sense that there is an, there is going to be an interpretation, which is fine, you know, and and it is possible that if maybe someone gives it and then no one interprets, it's possible that someone was supposed to, but then they felt shy or whatever, you know. So we don't beat anybody up, okay? But we do want to do it right. I think uh, one thing that keeps coming back to me is you can speak in tongues. Um, in lots of different ways, and the interpretation is how people hear it. So when you say something to me, I could say, well, that's not what I thought I heard you say, but that's what you said. But the Lord put it in my ear differently. You were teaching to the congregation. Somebody comes in and says, oh, you were talking just to me. Uh, God can do things with your hearing that kind of transcends a lot of the issue of what's being spoken. Uh, Somebody could get up and speak in tongues in a crowd of 10 or 20 or 30, and there might be somebody in there that's going, I needed that. Are they going to stand up and and I don't know. So I think there are times when people interpret tongues, but we don't know that they're being interpreted. Well, but we would want an interpretation. It'd be nice to hear, you know, somebody yeah. stand up and say, yeah. "I know you, that just hit me like a ton of bricks." You spot on, and then say, you know, whatever it was about. Here's what the interpretation is. But that that's what seems to be. I don't know here. if people feel that free in a big setting. I would say not. And again, in a smaller setting, maybe. Sure, sure. But I think hearing what what you hear. I know there are times when I sing words that aren't there. Okay, I play music that's not there. Is that God? Was that me? I don't know. I don't. I mean, I just try to do whatever He says. So, anyway, that's cool. Okay, a couple more, and then I want to. I want to uh, actually ask anybody if they would like to receive prayer for this. Okay, uh, just like with the with speaking in tongues, it, that takes faith, and the same is it with the interpretation. Like like when I when first I felt time God was giving me interpretation, I didn't have the faith and courage in a, because I was a large congregation. I didn't have the courage to stand up and, and say what it was. And then, I mean, God saw that, and then he called somebody else, and they stood up and said, this, say, I'm like, what? that's what he said. That's what exactly what I got too. But I was, I, like several times, I just didn't have the courage. And it was later when somebody prayed over me and said, you, it's okay. You can just stand up in faith and do it. That's when I really started stepping out in it. Okay, good. So, good. Okay, one more over here, and then. Uh... So I'm kind of trying to wrap my arms around this too. So if sure. if 
you are a person that has the gift of tongues, but you can't interpret what you just said. How can it be edifying to you if you don't, if you don't know? Okay, go ahead. Sure. Our gift of sound will run. Well, you can answer for real afterwards. But so being a baby Christian, um, I actually just messaged someone this morning and, and asked him this because he's an English professor. And I said, so I wasn't saved till I was 28. I wasn't raised a Christian. And I wanted to tell you guys this because you all seem very wonderful. So as you are in your small groups and if you have anybody, shh, hey, anybody that comes in that's maybe a newer believer, what tongues did for me was I, was I was stuck on my words. I was trying to edit my prayers as I was talking to God. I would be like, well, oh, I need, okay, well, I don't really need, but okay, well, I would like, well, I mean, I, seriously, that's how it sounded. And then I was like, no, I need medication. And then, um, so when I could speak in tongues, my brain dissolved and my heart opened up, engaged. It abs- and I can even like feel it right now as I'm saying it. And it changed my life. It changed my prayer life. It changed my relationship with God because I didn't need words. So I have a question, but that was my answer. So. Well, to edify, how can it edify was your question. If you don't know what you're saying, you sense the presence of God. Now, it's even more edifying when you get an interpretation. That's why he encourages you to pray that you can interpret but it, it really is a sense, and you just, I thought you described it very well. You know, the, the, the inner sense of, of interpretation. Hold on, we're going to have one more. Go ahead and speak, and then I want to uh, I do some praying. I love this conversation. And remember, we're talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, Spirit as well. You know, that's the one wing, and the other wing of the Holy Spirit is the fruit of the Holy Spirit, right? Smack dab in the middle is the person of the Holy Spirit. And so this is good, and Paul, this is good about putting order to these things. But let's not let that eclipse the person of the Holy Spirit. And as Jesus said, the wind blows where it will. And and there's not a lot of control necessarily of this thing, but it's not a free-for-all either. So for me... um, you know, I've 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 experienced gifts or the gift of tongues in a in a miraculous thing to a, a, a Hebrew scholar once on the train, and I won't take the time unless you want that. But and it, it just stupefied him because it was a tongue in which he had done his dissertation on a Hebrew dialect that had not been spoken on the earth for a few hundred years. And, and, you know, prior to that, he was just sort of treating me like a gnat, like I was some annoying young pup Christian, which I was. But as far as praying, you know, praying in the Spirit, it's like, it's kind of like what you said. I agree with that. And, or when I'm trying to pray through something, um, I, I find great comfort in knowing that Jesus is interceding on our behalf to the Father without interruption. And I feel like I, I, I know in my head that when I'm, I'm praying in the Spirit, and groaning's too deep for words, um, for understanding, I just, I trust that I'm just coming in union with Jesus's prayer to the Father mm-hmm. as well for, for whatever it happens to be. And, and I love it because we don't know how to pray, so, you know, in Romans 8, what you, or 6? 8. 8, yeah. And we don't know what to pray. So I want that help, you know. But it, it is, for me, it is not something thought through. It's, it's, it's like breathing, you know. This, it's love. It's love of the person of the Holy Spirit. It's love of the Father, love of Jesus. And so if we're seeking the gift of this, that, or the other thing, we're going to miss it, and we're missing the whole point. It is about seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then this thing will just flow through you. So what I want to do, we're done, we're done now. Oh, we're not right now. Okay, what I want to do is I want to give you who would like to receive prayer 
to be filled with the Holy Spirit and even potentially receive the gift of tongues. Raise your hand. Anyone else? I mean, might as well, sure. I'm going to ask... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask Mick. Okay, I'm putting him on the spot. Those who would like prayer, maybe go, come over here, and you're just going to kind of pray over them. Anyone else who wants to pray over them, that's be fine too, okay? And then we're going to be worshiping over here, okay? So as you're praying, once again, you know, and Mick can give you some, some thoughts and whatever, you know, but the main thing, and this is what he said, is I just want to be filled with the Spirit, right? Well, sometimes, not in every instance, but sometimes they laid hands on them. That's where um, there's uh, one of the things we did, was it last week? Where we, where we talked about the different ways of praying, you know, and so we want to be led by the Lord, but sometimes they'll lay hands on you, and, and, and quite often that's when it happened, <laughs> okay? So if there's a sense uh, and, uh, you know, that you're receiving prayer, they lay hands on you. Really, if you just sense it at all, go ahead and start speaking syllables, okay? I mean, it's okay. And, uh, but why don't we go over here, and so anybody go over there, and anybody else who wants to help prayer, please, that'd be great, and I'll get out of the way here. And, uh, and we're going to be worshiping, so we're going to be seeking the Lord and, um, and praying too while you're praising the Lord, because we really want everybody to to experience the fullness of the Lord in that regard. And, uh, and as we're praying, praising the Lord, you know, let's, whatever the Lord wants, let's go, go with that, okay?